you could be right as brain, you could be speaking the truth of the universe and that everyone who hears you becomes enlightened and like never goes without food or money or alcohol or recreational drugs, living their best life in a mansion. You could say that these 30 seconds of this TikTok will change your life. And it could be true. Yeah. If they don't want to hear you, what's the point? Hello, my friends, and welcome to the Dig New Streams podcast. I'm your host, Dave Capozzi. This week, I welcome my friend Evan Mingo back to the podcast. Evan is a project coordinator at Tufts University and a part-time cultural educator and content creator on TikTok, Instagram, and YouTube under the name Blackademics. They obtained a BS in psychology and ethnic studies from Yale and a master's of psychology in sociology from King's College, University of Cambridge. Their content spans psychology, sociology, ethnicity and race, gender, sexuality, history, and politics. If you would like to keep up with the podcast, subscribe to whatever platform you're using to listen right now, and you can find a consistent conversation happening over on TikTok and Instagram if you search for my name, Dave Capozzi, and on Facebook and YouTube at Dig New Streams Podcast. Without further ado, my conversation with Evan Ming. What thoughts come up around you? Maybe it's from an empirical side of evidence or sort of emotionally when you find out that these supposedly liberal places are treating black history with the same disregard that a place like Florida might. Yeah. Discovering that liberal places have the same disdain. I didn't Did I say discover? discover that. <laughs> yeah. I was like, that's an interesting word. Um, <laughs> that might be know, projection. Yeah. I was yeah. like that. Mm, yeah. Mm, that's yeah. <laughs> because yeah. I, I mean, yeah, I grew up here. Um, I think it became very apparent even in fourth grade. Um, I have an upcoming video about this. We had a where are you from like project. Mm. And I was like, I'm from this country. And then they were like, no, but like, where is your, where are your, like your family from? I'm like, North Carolina in Florida. Like what? And even some of the black kids, a lot of the black kids who were bussed in from the inner city were Caribbean. So they would be like, I'm from Jamaica. I'm from, you know, uh, Trinidad and Tobago. And I would be like, no, I'm from the United States. <laughs> and then they're yeah. like, no, well, you're not. And I'm like, I don't know. I was like, then I don't know. Like, Who would say, just, no, you're not? Who would say that? The teacher. The teacher wow. would be informing us that like everyone's from somewhere. And I'm like, well, there are like indigenous people, right? Like we went to the Pequot Museum earlier this month in Connecticut. So like, clearly there were people here <laughs> and I'm not, and I'm not Pequot. Um, Where are they from? Oh yeah, I was like, so like, you know, it's this implication that first of all, the erasure of indigenous people, but also talking about the systemic erasure also of black people. So I had to do my own research, you know, talk to my parents and, you know, my, obviously my parents don't know, my parents' parents don't know, but all we had, the one thing I had, I ended up doing it on Senegal because mm -hmm. we had a family friend who went to Senegal and yeah. said, the women looked like my mom. And that's wow. all. And we were, I was inclined to be like, that's 
interesting. Like the two all black people look alike. And then I was like, no, they do kind of look like my mom. Um, yeah, <laughs> so, interesting. Interesting. So it was so it was one of those things um, that led to my interest in the Senegambian region. Um, wow. Eventually, I was able to learn Wolof, which was the Senegalese language and the Gambian language, and I've made some videos about that. So, yes, like yeah. that whole journey is a forthcoming video. Um, but it's yeah, and my Wolof teacher was like, "Your your mom is Wolof." <laughs> she like insisted. She was like, "No, your mom's Wolof." And I'm wow. like, "Wow, really?" So that's just interesting because my grandma, her mom's, my her mom's, looks like. People and she is black and indigenous, and so my Cherokee friends are like, she's a cousin. So it's it's just <laughs> deeply funny that and and you know we have friends, Choctaw friends and Muscogee friends, and in Muscogee and Seminole, Mingo is a phoneme that means king. So they're like, you're a king. Like they're like, yes. Like, I'm like, I love that. It's, it's love deeply that. funny that like there are a lot of plausible explanations, but. Yeah. yeah, none of that came from me being able to have that in the classrooms of yes. Connecticut. I yes. had to do it myself. Right. My my school especially was really into um historical reenactments. Like I don't know how that started. They just are really in, like in fourth grade, for example, we did Ellis Island. Really? Um, yes. Like and so parents like they had to we enacted immigrating to the United States. And in their minds, it was like this, oh yes, but a nation of immigrants and things like that. And yeah, right. to me, I'm like, but I've been here. Right. Honestly, I've been here longer than most of you. Longer my than my immigrant, my, my ancestors, yeah. My family has been in the United States since the 1700s. Yeah. As wow. slaves, Yeah, but we yeah. have lineage back at least until the 1700s. But then they were from Spanish Florida. So like, Spanish Florida was in started in the 1500s, so we have no idea when they got here. Wow. But we have yeah. records from the 1700s, so it's like mm, interesting. Yeah, but it definitely predicates a centralized experience that not everyone has. They yes. assigned me to be an Italian merchant, and I'm like, I'm not being an Italian merchant. No. Um, so in, I in do, this reenactment in, in fourth yes. grade. I was supposed to be an Italian merchant huh. and I refused. So I found wow. a real person who, a black person who moved, who immigrated through Ellis Island to, from Jamaica, who was a sugarcane farmer. Wow. So I did that for myself. Like I had to go find, no one else in my class had to do this. I had to go find a historical person that plausible. I couldn't make something up because they're like, it has to be plausible. So I had to go find immigrants black immigrants wow. through ls island and so i had to show my fourth grade teacher this is a person and this is who i'm going to be and you're going to have to deal with it how did your fourth grade teacher respond to this she was deeply racist but yeah. um <laughs> yeah. she was like okay i mean you know like this was a lot of extra work and i was like it was a lot of extra work because i refused to be racialized as white <laughs> that's just and it's not relevant to my experience um and this is nine-year-old me like you know in it fifth is... grade we we did civil war reenactment that was fun I was wow to, and they had us choose to be whether or not we were in the union or the confederacy would you know <sighs> that small town in connecticut most kids chose to be in the confederacy and the reenactment was the battle in which confederates lost i mean confederates won 
even wow. though the battle that we were supposed to enact was the flipped. But they were like, what if we flip it? And I'm like, why are we in Connecticut? First of all, we're in Connecticut. It's wrong on so many levels. <laughs> we're in Connecticut. The majority of these Connecticutians, Connecticuters, nutmeggers, whatever, are being Confederate shoulders that are shooting upon the smaller Union kids. And then all the girls were nurses, which is another thing, except for me, because I was the first Black surgeon in the Civil War. Is that that's I what you... had to search it up because I had to again search it up and find a person. And then they were like, boys don't get to be the like nurses. And I'm like, he's not a nurse, he was a surgeon. Like, and Evan, so that was and that was the next year. That was fifth grade. That was the next year. Mm -hmm. So year after year, first of all, it makes no sense that your school did that. No sense. I don't know what's to be gained from that. But year after year, you're having to research on your own what it meant to be a black American in these times, in the in, in these circumstances, uh, a, an immigrant that chose to move from Jamaica, uh, a the first black surgeon, right? Which is just, if there's not evidence for why having a month dedicated to teaching students about black history, I don't know what other argument there is. That and I guess what's interesting to me is that the landscape that we live in right now, right, is the product of the people that built the society we're in. If you don't like it, why are you shooting at everybody else around you? Why don't you point to your ancestors and be like, why did you guys make this system with rate with race built into the system? Why'd you do that? Because we don't like it. <laughs> but no, they pointed at you and you and say, well, can't you just be an Italian merchant? Can't you just be white? no okay so you're one of very few black folks in these classes are you are there times when you're learning about black history about people other than maybe martin luther king jr are there any sorts of efforts that when you're growing up in connecticut that you're learning about black history so the main time i would say that i remember was that in freshman year of high school are like advisory groups, you know, homeroom had to do a, like, it was a poster competition yeah. for each homeroom um, for Black History Month. And someone, you were supposed to research like a person and make a presentation about it. And so I knew that everyone was going to do Martin Luther King Jr. or someone else. And I said, what if we did someone different? Yeah. And it turned into a fight in my homeroom because people were saying, you know, like, well, what about Women's History Month? What about these things? And I'm like, well, you know, like Women's History Month is this is the mother. <laughs> and you know, where it like is March or like, you know, like Latin History Month is September 15th to October 15th. And yeah. you know, yeah, breast cancer yeah. awareness month is October. And it just felt like I had to fight. And I was like, and you are totally entitled to, and I will actually fight for you also to get that rec recognition. Yes. It, it feels though that y'all want to dig your feet with just us and me. And you don't want to put in the work to do something different. We mm. ended up, we, I ended up doing a poster about um, Bethune Cookman mm. um, and, you know, her long and storied career in education and creating the university, Bethune Cookman University. Um, and we won. Mm. I won. 
and our did you our, yeah we did um i spent a lot of time on it and i thought it was important and then they were yeah. going to take them down and i was like no these should go somewhere and so i like petitioned them to put in the record like the school record and there's a lot. It wow. was, I think it became abundantly clear in, in the same logic that they also still had this elitism. Yeah. That they were better than the South. And so yes. that is what spurred me in junior year to make a paper, to do my final AP was history paper about the Mason-Dixon line. The history of the Mason-Dixon line, what that meant, how that like delineated between the North and South, what that means. Um, and part of my logic was that it was more of an arbitrary distinction than anything right because you first of all like a lot of the union were also deeply racist they just so happened to be like well they shouldn't be enslaved that doesn't mean they're equal like you know those are like two different i think people say you're an abolitionist so you think like we should all be kumbaya holding hands and rights and they're like no 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 whoa now whoa <laughs> Uh, slow down um <laughs> and like and you can see that in the writings and the readings of the time so i yeah. i argue that the mason dixon line was basically this post-rationalization of northern supremacy and mm. that they could place upon the south this idea that you are southern and agrarian and backwards and uneducated yeah um and you know that's not the case i we had to make no. presentations and i showed a picture and I said, and it was white people flipping over buses and with the signs that say like, no Negroes allowed. Yes. And I asked them, where and when do you think this is? That's good. And they said like, oh, like Alabama in the 1950s. I said, this was Boston in 1983. And they were deeply upset. Because I bet they were. What? I bet they were. And I'm like, well... And somehow I moving here, everyone's like, oh, Boston's really racist. And I'm like, so if we all know that, acknowledge that, where's that? I don't know. I tend to use Black History Month as a way to open discussion as opposed to specifically telling people about certain things. And you didn't know this or you didn't know that. Yeah. I, I think... I can do that anytime. That doesn't right. need to be specified in Black History Month. I think Black History Month is a time in which emotions are really raw and so that you can agitate them more. Absolutely. I, Absolutely. And that's kind of how I go about so, it. Like that's good. So it's a music, month to agitate. Black music. <laughs> I saw that was good. <laughs> well, you know, Beyonce is being prevented from uh being played on some stations, you know, right? They've in an interview, a country singer said called it what like they're like dogs marking their places on yes. everything yes should i explain just... from canada like it's like be so for real. Houston. Like, it's like... <laughs> i know and i think that's what is so astounding the more you hear it the more uh the less i guess not astounding the less astounding it is right the less shocking it is for you if you're a white person growing in this growing up in this country there's all sorts of things that are brand new information for you that is not hidden if you're a black person growing up in this country. I'm taking students at the beginning of March on a tour in Boston. Um, this group does what they call hidden black history tours. And oh, I've seen those. Yeah. yeah, it looks really interesting. And I, I, I love that they call it hidden black history, but who's it hidden from? 
it's really a t- an attempt to hide it from all of us, but it's mostly white folks who grow up never learning about what you talk about, like where music, all the roots of different musical styles are from, why the North benefited from slavery, why the, you know, three-fifths compromise, what a, like none of this stuff really gets hammered in in the um, United States education system for very good reason, right? Mm-hmm. The goal of the education is to steer you in a particular direction. And that direction doesn't look like maybe challenging the societal sort of structure as it is. So you you know that, you notice it, and you take this opportunity to be like, all right, I'm going to poke that nerve a little bit. Yeah, I think it's it's fun. I, I do get that section <laughs> of it. I will never, I will not deny that like, triggering white people is deeply entertaining <laughs> because it's like reliably every time reliably. y'all are upsetting spaghetti like it it like it, <laughs> it 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 never fails and so it's like even if you're just bored like you're just kind of like if i'm just bored and i'm i'm like i'm like you know that came from black people they're like what <laughs> <laughs> so it's It'll never not be hilarious, first of all. But so (laughs) it's interesting because you say this idea of like hidden history and it's hidden for whom. And yet there's this weird concept. I think the United States is particularly interesting as like, and we talk about the fields of settler colonialism and post-colonialism, neocolonialism, because it was both a colony and an imperial center Correct. and even yes. within its rounds like it had colonies right it's yes as far as we can argue southern plantations were functionally colonies right like absolutely in terms of like an imperial center absolutely. so you have somehow within the same political state both the colony and the imperial center yes engaging in one physical space Yes. In which I think there is a unique dialogue that happens that the ideas in which people need to be racialized and the people that are racialized upon them exist in the same space. And yeah. that does not happen really in Europe, right? Like, right. frankly, like those people were in Europe or at least not in racialized people were not in Europe at a significant enough percentage to be like an open dialogue regularly so i think it's interesting you know i did my master's degree at cambridge Mm. um university of that's right england and the crazy stuff that they would say because they have extracted racism to an american thing yes and i said i was like charles dalton came up with eugenics literally around the corner. Like, like I'm like, yes. like unironically, like literally over there. Like, what are we, you know, we're sitting here at in King's College, Cambridge. Trinity's right over there. Like, and he was like, what about eugenics? Uh, this is an important thing. I noticed this a lot. And uh, for some reason, my videos will end up being engaged with by a lot of people in England. And they're always saying, oh, you Americans. And I'm like, how do you think that you're separate from this? Like you guys colonized the world and you're like, you're looking at us like we're, yeah, we're bad. I'm saying that we are, but how do you think that you're, you, you get off clean on this one? I don't get that one. 
Right. Somehow they sit there and they're just completely absolved. And it's like, yeah, where, where? And, you know, I, someone did a thing. I think there is a Independence Day every week of the year from the UK. Every week like of a, the year? Yeah, like 52 Independence Days. Like, <laughs> like, and so you're like... That's amazing. Um, you're like, do you, do you, do you want to go there? Is that, I, no, is this, no, is this what you want to... But I think what that brings up is that when you are the oppressor, you're looking for all the best attributes of yourself from like you're looking back on it so what you'll hear oftentimes is that white folks who are triggered by conversations about racism will say well america britain were the first you know christian white christians are the first people to abolish slavery which we know isn't true right but that there's this look to the white people got rid of slavery it wasn't the abol the black abolitionists it wasn't the people fighting for their own cause it was these mm -hmm. these kind and loving white people who were compelled by their kind and loving white jesus to do this great justice work i think that is the the mindset that is difficult to to traverse it's difficult to push through to to uh find a way to communicate these ideas or truths that will pulsate through or like penetrate through the this fortified mind that needs whiteness to be morally superior mm. or just superior in every way but you you my friend deal with data now obviously they're informed by um a perspective that many people haven't heard before by many people i mean a lot of white folks, but just a lot of people in general, because you're do, doing a lot of educating that a lot of people don't have access to that education. Do you find that when you are working with data and you're giving people specific instances or talking about this historical event or this train of ideas, that there's a light bulb in some people? Um, or do you find that you need to do all sorts of, you need to do therapy with the people too? I've found that I don't see their aha moment. I don't, I don't see it. I don't pretend, like I don't. And that is something that is real and true. And I will just, I'm the first one to admit like they don't. And not in that I expect them to share it. I know like shame and embarrassment. No one likes to be wrong, right? I cheat. Yeah. Like, it's exhausting being right all the time. Uh, <laughs> like, <laughs> Like, and it, it's just that very few people don't like to admit that they were wrong or that they were misguided or that they were misinformed. And I get that. And I also know that that's true because of data, right? Yes, absolutely. And I, I think it is a process and I can see a lot of people interact with my content differently. If I can, I can like trace this one account or a few accounts and I can see how they started, first started interacting with my content, perhaps more defensively um, or reactionary, perhaps is maybe a better word. Um, yeah. Not yeah. necessarily critiquing, but just like a visceral towards pausing, reflecting, asking questions, discussing, and then being like, oh, so this is how it connects to that. And, wow. you know, it is that arc mm. that is it. I don't know when their aha moment was. I don't 
particularly uh, subscribe to the belief that there is an aha moment. I think right. there it is a process and that yes. we're all learning. I think you can have like many like ah moments. Like, <laughs> but not but not like ah. Uh -huh. Yeah, like but like not not like like ah dot 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 ha. Huh. Like I <laughs> I had my ah moment in 2006 and then my ha yeah. moment in 2012. Yeah. Right. No, exactly. Yeah. It, it, I and I think you put different things together and i do think that i think on the individual level i think collectively there can be aha moments i think that there yeah. are there are flashpoint moments in our society um i think probably the first one say trayvon martin then yeah. george floyd and now rafa gaza palestine the west bank yes. i think there are these moments where everyone's jolted yeah. and when people are jolted from their established conceptions of how the world works, they're extremely disoriented. Yeah. Um, and when they're extremely disoriented, they're extremely malleable and vulnerable. Yeah. And so I think that's why I don't love the idea of aha moments because one, I don't think necessarily it happens as often as we'd like to think it is or that it's as discreet of a moment as we'd like to think it is. And that when it happens on a large enough scale, you have a lot of people who are left disoriented that can be taken advantage of. Mm. Um, I like to think, and I think people fail to realize that justice work, education work is a process. Yeah. It is continuous. It is ongoing. And therefore, if you have an aha moment, you have a lot of feelings and thoughts, but not the frameworks or verbiage to maybe even express or deconstruct those or understand what you are doing or feeling as opposed to a progressive well if i give you the tools the lego pieces here you have something to work with as you're working through these feelings it's that's, like an yeah, overwhelming that's really good so basically people are having either cultural or personal aha moments or, or experiences, emotional experiences. In my mind, yes, the ones you named, there's also the Montgomery brawl, uh, you know, the boat mm. situation, right? Where everyone's talking about this thing and it brings up all sorts of emotions. And while some people will like, all right, I'm firmly in this camp, some people might start to think. And then when they're doing that, you're creating this space to fortify a little bit more um, so that people can move through their feelings and say, well, now what do I need to do? What do I, what's, how do I inform myself or grow or move beyond this like visceral reaction as a former pastor for me, this just always sounds like repentance. I've always likened my experience of awakening to whiteness as repentance, just mm. like this. I was heading down this one direction and then got like smacked in the face and like, oh, I got to go that way now, which doesn't mean that I don't have whiteness in my rear view or in my front. Like it's still all around, right? It's still, I still am looking at the world with that lens. And there's all this information that now I've accumulated since walking down that other road. And I just mm. think that there's, there are these flashpoints that are important to notice. And then I guess I wonder, you brought up Palestine and rafa and now now there's a major cultural shift away from supporting israel in a way that five years ago was not true and so now like you do see change but in these interactions that like you're you have a channel you have black academics 
you know, it's like the once in a, a million views that you get someone that's like, oh, I, your video really helped me. Like, is that mm -hmm. kind of what you're saying? <laughs> like, you just don't get to see it yourself? But yeah, I just yeah. don't see that. Like, it just does yeah. not. They don't tell me. They don't. <laughs> like, <laughs> they, they don't say anything. They don't. Like, I notice that people start DMing me things. And I'm like, interesting. interesting. <laughs> and can I just get you to say that I helped you get this far? <laughs> yeah, right. And and I think that's definitely mm, that's definitely something that's been interesting these past few times because a lot of leftist creators, a lot of white <laughs> men who were leftist creators, um, have been either invariably in my dms and then taking parts of what i said and like repurpose and i'm like i'm in why am i in instagram columns and i'm like that sounds familiar like oh. that's crazy <laughs> you know Whoa. and and so and it's happened enough where it just is one of those things where you're like okay i'm right <laughs> <laughs> which is so which on some level is validating yeah, like, right, right. Yeah. It's like, okay, period. Like, I'm yeah. right. Um, <laughs> but the way in which they said that, I was like, that's so crazy because that is not, you did not come up with that on your own. It's one of those things where yeah. I, I I talk about a lot of justice creators who are of majoritarian groups, like, give these broad level overviews or analyses of things. Yeah. And I'm like, you didn't come up with that. Like, that is just not something that you in your, like, personal isolated critical thinking came up with you absolutely read that heard that watched another tiktok about it and then like slowly synthesize your own thing which yeah. is fine i don't like that's what we do that is what academia is the point is though when you make a new posit you have to cite the literature beforehand absolutely and so what we yes. get to is that a lot of especially like white men in spaces and these spaces get a lot of followers, way more followers than most of the people that end up speaking from. Yes. They say something and everyone's like, wow. Golf and that's, crap. yeah, like, no, and that's exactly, <laughs> and, and so you're like, that, <laughs> that's interesting. And then every few months ago, so one of them gets exposed as like awful. And so you're yes. kind of like, yeah, yeah. Like some of them, honestly, some of them I'm mutuals with. I'm still waiting for the ball to drop. I'm still like, I'm like, there's something there. Like, oh. I'm like, something about that. You know, on TikTok or other avenues, people are going to share their ideas. They may not always know where they come from, but if you're never citing a source that you may have received some kind of information from, if you're never pointing to someone, black, brown, indigenous, other person of color, who informed you to see this the world this way? Because if you're white, there's no way you came to it on your own. You just didn't. Yeah. If you're not yeah. doing that, then you you're saying you're saying like you're waiting at some point for this person to be exposed for like uh, for something. Well, like for I, for example, previously, like some of these like male feminists, like one of them had a blog post about like abusing women in their youth and being like i get it because like i used to like assault women and everyone's like what like, was like, whoa like, you just put that in the open like it was crazy um and wow. then another one recently was called in for being like you're focusing a lot on harm reduction of men and that's like weird like that's just weird 
and he I saw, I started saw doxing something. people. And yeah. so I'm like, well, and he was another mutual. And I'm like, oh, you're a jerk. Like, and so, and it's, you know, it's very clear that I, I guess it's like the moment they actually don't have any like material from other groups, they like showed their ugly head. And it's like, oh, mm. it's it tends to be a problem when they're riffing. Like, for example, um, <laughs> like it a few things happened. I mean, there was one I did like a very loud call in for a creator and throughout various DMs and various things, I was like, no, that's not, no. He would make a video and I'd be like, no, that's not. And then the final good video that everyone was like, you know, this is such a great progression. And like, you know, like you finally figured it out. He like copy pasted some of my texts and I like DM'd him and was like, that's a choice. Whoa. I was like, Whoa. I just was kind of like, you know, People, you're getting credit for things that you just did not come to on your own. Oh, you didn't. And then, like, he put a little addendum comment list, meaning like this was from Black Academics or whatever. And I'm like, yes, always after the fact is so exhausting. Or another creator had a really blow up video about like Taylor Swift and Taylor Swift about like Palestine and Gaza. And like, off the riff was like, I don't think she's even a real woman. And I'm like, oh my God. Like, and I'm just like, what, what? are you doing? Like, and so, and so. And it's crazy because I was, I'm friends with this guy and he sent me the first Taylor Swift video that was just him ranting and it was putrid. And like, I was like, no, 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 no. Don't please don't do that. Um, no, 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 no. And, and so then he was like, okay, okay. And then he sends out this and I'm like watching this one. I'm like, okay, okay. It seems like he cleaned it up a little bit. And he's like, honestly, I just like don't even think she's a woman because a real woman stands up for like, and I was like, oh my God. I was like, no, no not the sexism, not the transphobia. Why like, though? I was like, oh my God. I was like, oh, so. I and, and people were commenting and he is a big creator, like big, like over 300,000 followers. So he like doesn't see every comment. And so I started like, I liked them and would like tag them. He like, hey, this is a really good call in. And I like texted him. I have his phone number. And I was like, what? <laughs> and, yeah. and he and he was like, well, no, like, you know, real women like are just as work. I'm like, that's not, that's one of those things that may be true. And it's not your place to say that. Like as a white man, like what are you like? And I gave the example of Biden in 20 over his 2020 election was like. Yep. If you are you black if you don't vote Democrat? Oh and, yes, I remember this. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And right. I'm and a lot of people were like, of course, all the black conservatives were like, yeah, yeah, yeah. And conservatives <laughs> were like, you're being great. And I was like, okay, calm down, calm down. Yeah. But yeah. the real to me, the real issue was I personally think that's true. Like, I don't think you can sit here as a black person and be like, the Republicans are better. Like, that's, <laughs> that's crazy. But that's a choice. You're delusional. You're in the sunken place. And that's a conversation that black people have. Okay, right? thank you. Thank you. So for that, for me, that is, I might know that from my experience. Okay. Mm -hmm. I will literally never speak those words. Right. So I think what you just described is the difference between somebody um, voyeuristically a, a sort of arriving at information. And I include reading books vo as voyeurism. So you read a book, you watch a TikTok, you become mutuals with people in this environment, not having real life everyday, like day-to-day -day experiences and relationships with people who are black causes this kind of behavior, I think. 
you don't get the everyday back and forth. If you're a white person, you can, you can accumulate all the information and, and you can then use it to promote your, your platform. There are conversations we don't belong in and we don't have the, um, it's just not going to go well. I was having this conversation yesterday with my friend, uh, Poetic Deconstruction. He and I are talking about this thing where a lot of white creators were going after this black Christian who was saying, I'm going after the deconstruction community. And the way I'm going to do it is by loving them and blah, blah, blah. But he's saying, I'm, go I'm going to war with them. So a lot of white creators go after him. And I told him, I'm just like, I don't, that's not my space. Not my monkey, not my circus. Yeah. I'm like, I just don't, I think that white people need to just recognize that even if you think the ideas are bad ideas, you can't ever be so aware of your internalized racism that that's not a factor in this conversation. Yeah. And the thing was, and he was like, oh, I get it. And I was like, you need to post an apology video. He posted on a story, which I thought, oh. mm -hmm. and I'm like, why, why do people do this? And it's like, then like, he sent me a draft of it and I and he was like, oh, it was construed as like sexism, race in misogyny. He was like sexist, misogynistic, transphobic. And I was like, no, no, it was. Like, it, it was not construed a, that way. I was like, it wasn't construed that way. It was in fact, very much that this other creator was talking about athletes and like the evolutionary biology of athletes. And he DM'd me and was like, hey, this, video like people i've already had to block people for saying it's racist and i'm like that's an interesting start huh. <laughs> and, and so and <laughs> like you know did saying, you start with hi there in response yeah well and it seems like <laughs> whenever you get the chance can you like watch it and just like what is going and then i like watched it and i'm like hmm. again it was nothing inherently wrong it just was like you're talking about like the physical fitness and like the unique like ability of like athletes as animals to reproduce and you start with like a bunch of black men on your screen like that's Oof. weird oh i didn't even notice and whatever Oof. and i'm like i don't deny that and and i i think this is something that you need to have like a, a response i think you need to post response and an apology video because i do think you inadvertently were saying some things and yeah. i think do and you th do you feel like in those moments okay so you say i don't deny that right so he's saying mm -hmm. i didn't intend for that correct mm -hmm. is what did you say that's like 99 percent of what you're dealing with though right like the amount of times that someone that's a white creator is talking on um, black issues they feel entitled in some way to speak on these things and yet they are maybe of the mind that it's like, a, it's like one of those good intentions thing, things, right? Mm -hmm. um, you say, I acknowledge that. I recognize that you didn't intend this. And at the same time, you did it. Mm -hmm. uh, do, you, do you find that someone, their first sort of reaction is typically, but my intent was X. Or like, is, it, is that the defensive thing that happens? What, what is the... The thing that's going on with people that are responding it, it depends i think again no one likes to be wrong and so yeah. especially and on a think, large scale like these big creators 
Yes. And I think a lot of creators specifically try to do their videos with craft and care. Yeah. Um, and I, and I do think that's also the case. And I, I think we still associate these things with as like internal independent characteristics, moralized yeah. characteristics, as opposed of like operating within a space. So if I'm saying that this is something that is like promoting eugenics, they're saying I'm, they're hearing I'm calling them a eugenicist and or racist and or ableist and or like socially Darwinist, um, which I'm not because one thing about me is I don't mince my words. No, uh, you like, don't. You don't. It's like, I will, t I will tell you if I think you're racist, I will tell you you're racist. Like it's not, so I, I, I'm very careful in the language yeah. I use. And so you know, I said that this person, I think I was like, I think you should make an apology video. And he was like, damn, okay. And I just was like, I just maybe encourage you to understand where that response is coming from, yeah. right? This idea of like an undertaking or something that you think is like a lot or whatever. Yeah. And then he was like, it's not that deep, period. And I'm like, whoa. What the, what is your takeaway from that? What's your takeaway? It, I am really struggling to find good faith in yeah. white men. Yeah, <laughs> in these spaces, I think it yeah. is increasing. One of my mutuals was like, "Why does this keep happening?" <laughs> I'm like, "Why?" Mm. <laughs> and, and and I think it's because people. I try to be like. An approachable person and i engage heavily with my comments and dms and i i try to be like an active person because i think that's how you get education across yeah and i figure if we're mutuals we're like parasocially friends kind yeah. of yeah yeah, yeah yeah and so like oh we just like help each other out or whatever and then they asked me to do a lot of labor like mm. a, a lot and i was remember i was like oh be sure to support black people during black history month financially if you yeah. can yes and he was like i don't have money and i was like okay like that's fine i mean yeah it's rough out here no one's asking but you're just like you wouldn't order yeah. go to a restaurant and knowing you don't have money and order filet mignon like that's kind of sometimes the energy i was like oh so i was just supposed to be like don't worry about it you don't have money like right I think a lot of what I'm recognizing is like a lot of these creators honestly need like a full time, like, I'm not going to say DEI because that, but like <laughs> some, uh, some kind of content, like checker, you know, I think, yeah. what is it? They call it in the literary, what is it called in the book world? Sensitivity reader. Oh, a sensitivity reader. I don't is know. Is that what yeah. it's called? Is that it, would make sense. Something yeah. like that. Yeah. And it's just like, Oh, that's not, I was like, oh, that's flagrantly problematic. Like maybe let's not yes. do that. Um, and, <laughs> the, and the problem is with a lot of these creators, I think it's like, even if they start from baseline somewhere along the way, they get lost in the sauce and yes. they just kind of like, and then they just, by getting lost in the sauce, I've noticed, then they just always fall into one of various forms of supremacy. Um, like, yeah. you know, like off the, it's like, oh, you went off the script and you chose transphobia that's that's a, that's choice but like, you know it's like 
it's kind of like it's like where do we how do we get here like you know it's like that wasn't you know how the joke is like when someone in a tv show like is excessively bigoted like as their character is and they're like joe the line was i don't like you like you know (laughs) when the whole scene is like you know you negroes are so lazy and they're like really into it and like the joke is always that like the director is like Joe, that wasn't your line. <laughs> like, 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 like they ad lib and they double down on it. And so yeah. and I've seen that with a lot of people. Like there's even a podcast I follow. It's these two white guys and I love them and we're mutuals. And their podcast is so great. And I listen to their podcast, but then they had this infamous video where off the cuff, they were like, you need to vote for Joe Biden. Mm. And all these black and brown creators was like, who's we? Because like, like, they're like, who's we? Because like, last time I checked, it's white people who keep on shooting themselves in the foot. They're like, let's not we this. This is, some people were just mm. saying like, some of my mutuals, and I tend to agree with them now at this point, they're like, I honestly don't care what like black people do. Like they can vote for Biden or not. Like, but like, fine. Like white people, that's a white people issue. Like it's like, honestly, a white person issue. <laughs> yeah. No, like it's, it's, it's probably the most deliberate, like, offloading of responsibility I've ever seen, like, politically yes. from, like, Black people. And I kind of love it because it's like, who's we? Like, you're talking about moral imperative for whom? Absolutely. You're Absolutely. talking about, like, dangerous for whom? And they're like, no, it can get worse. And, I mean, I've had various DMs with these, these guys. And I'm, they're like, it could get worse. And I think it could get worse for all of us. And I'm like, my grandmother grew up in 40s Florida. I was like... We know how to survive. You don't. So let's like, wow. let's be real now. Uh, Let, I, let's talk about who this is for. And it's like, fine, you can talk about those or whatever, the political calculus and decisions, but you need to acknowledge that your primary like outlook on this is that like, you are bad for, you're scared for you. And that's like, fine, yes, whatever. Yes. Like, I honestly don't care at this point, yeah. but Let's right. not pretend like it is a moral imperative that everyone collectively needs to do the best it can so that we can make this better. There have been over 500 tra- anti-trans bills. They're like, yep. Right. Re- like, and they, and so it's like, no, that's not exactly. And it was the moral imperative. It's like, you are morally like obligated to vote for Joe Biden that like people of color were like, excuse me. Like, yeah. And, yeah. and I had to DM them and be like, I was like, that argument is never going to go well from two white guys. No, no. Who like woke up in 2021 and started a leftist podcast? That love y'all. I think y'all have great takes, but that's some white people shit. That's a fundamental thing that I didn't understand for the longest time. The longest time it took, and I there were this might have been the ha moment that came later. Mm. <laughs> you know, in while like I started learning about a lot of these concepts in like 2007 when I started in seminary and I went to seminary in Roxbury. I was like the one of very few white people out of classes of 50 accidentally, mind you, I would not have chosen that nor would most white people. We have the data for that too, that like 90% of white friend groups are all white. Of course. Right. So we know this is true. Right. But then it wasn't until much later that I realized there are like, we are in a caste system. We're in it. So you can't just like transcend it. You're in it. And to, to, to ever make my experience normative for someone outside of a body, just like a white man's, like 
uh, body or, or just saying women need to do this or everyone needs to vote for Joe Biden because or, or else like what, how do we not know that that's so clear? And I think it's because that is the last thing to be discussed in a lot of these conversations that, oh, um, there's injustice, all sorts of things. We know all the injustice. We know that there's uh, internalized racism. We know this is systemic, blah, blah, blah. But we don't get that we carry that around. We -hmm. don't just get to like dip in and we carry it around everywhere we go. And I I don't think it's necessarily all that helpful anymore to be like, if I'm white, I'm a racist. That doesn't really get us very far to have like to talk that way. I don't like the statives. I don't like the statives. Yeah. It's a dynamic system. People enact things, not all the time, like in specific instances. It just, I I don't think that's particularly helpful either. I don't like to say, I usually don't say like people are racist or like, I'm saying like you were like upholding or like enacting like usually white supremacy or things like that. And they're like, oh, I'm a white supremacist. I'm like, oh. <laughs> right, <'cause, laughs> right. Whether it's like, whether it's true, it's not like you, the utility of it is it's like going to do the opposite of what you intend. Mm-hmm. Right. Or want that. I, I'm, I'm in agreement generally with that, that like we want to move things, right. We want to change things. We don't want just people to walk around like ashamed of themselves. Where does that get us? But I think that if we generally want to do the systems change stuff, that's a different conversation. And this is this is another way in which I sometimes get di- split from a lot of my leftists, like m- mutuals. Sometimes they're like, I don't need to moderate how I feel or how I say things, or like I don't need to sugarcoat things so that people will hear me. Yeah. And I'm like, yes. That is a demonstrably true, like, tone policing is real, and yes. tone policing is bad. Yes. I'm the first person to say that, and, like, and. and the biggest and of my entire <laughs> life, probably. <laughs> Do you want to reach people or not? That's kind of... Right. I'm sitting and I'm just like, you're not, people are not going to sit there when you're yelling at them. And that's just real. We have data. We have, we have the <sighs> studies. We have that. And so you could be right as rain. Yeah. You could be speaking the truth of the universe and that everyone who hears you becomes enlightened and like never goes without food or money or alcohol or recreational drugs, living their best life in a mansion. You, you, you could say that these 30 seconds of this TikTok will change your life. And yeah. it could be true. Yeah. If they don't want to hear you, what's the point? And that is something that I don't publicize much because I think, again, it is a discussion that is almost not the point. Um, I think we get sidetracked and like yeah. lost in the sauce and like, yeah get like say it's a, a tree or whatever like we we keep on like getting off into branches and leaves and i'm like but there's the trunk like, yeah we need to like the trunk <laughs> i think you're... the trunk <laughs> <laughs> i think it's so true I, I think that to to think that you can just drop truth and assume that that deposit of truth is going to make any difference when we know not only from data but from experience that no one's going to be just moved based on that. It's not mm-hmm. sugarcoating. I'm t- I'm personally tired of that from a different angle, 
like I t I'm a parent. So I know that children are irrational, right? Because mm -hmm. um, they're mainly focused on getting their immediate needs met. Mm -hmm. And I can understand that because guess what? We never grow out of that. That's generally something that's true for life. But mm -hmm. like the conversations about how to get kids to, to like understand without just being like, but you need to this and that, like, how does that, it never is effective. It doesn't do what you want to get done. It's mm -hmm. not about sugarcoating. It's just about leaving room for them to be fully autonomous human beings that express what they, what works for them. And then you adjust, then you work within that framework. It doesn't mean that you're validating um, bad or immoral or wrong behavior. It just means that you're being, you're willing to walk down a certain road because there's still truth within there. It doesn't mean that and, you're abandoning truth. Yeah. And I think, I think it's really interesting when people say you're stop sugarcoating things. And I was like, you do realize that's a term because people didn't want to take medicine. <laughs> so would you rather them not take the medicine? <laughs> like, like, I just, you know, and, and you say that and it sounds so simple. And you're like, the entire point was that these syrups, these pills, this medicine that you needed to get better was disgusting. And that is enough that some people will not take it. So what you do is incentivize that or package it differently so right. that people can take the medicine that's going to make them feel better. No one's going to sit there and be like, well, you sugarcoated it. So now you're pro sweets and you like are encouraging our kids to like wreck their teeth. And it's like, no, I am acknowledging that humans like things that taste good. And so <laughs> given that, I will do what I need to do utilitarianly to get the medicine that my child needs to not die. <laughs> and no one would sit there and be like, so that's one of those things where it's like yeah. sugarcoating, I feel like, along with virtue signaling has somehow like, we've gotten the entire full circle of like, well, here we are again. Like, yeah. Virtue like, signaling you know, is a funny one. I'm like, who's not virtue? Si what does that mean? Like, I was like, are, virtue signaling is everything. Like we, it's everything. we signal our virtues. Right. Like, I don't. I'm trying to tell you that this is where I stand so that we can relate to each other because that matters to me. I mean, it's uh, yeah, this, uh, you just got Mary, Mary Poppins is now stuck in my head. A spoonful yeah, of sugar. Like, it's like, it's like, yes. That's, if Mary why Poppins do you think that happened? Yeah, like, no, exactly. <laughs> uh, and 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 then the option is like, well, okay, then do you not? So you just want to take the disgusting pill then? Because those are like, do you want the disgusting castor oil or do you want it like sweetened or like both do the same thing? One's just a little bit more pleasant. More people are going to take it. So I, I at think a certain extent, I'm just like, I get it. Minority rage. Like I get. Yeah. There is that. And I am of the opinion that that can't be the only thing. Thank you so much for taking the time to listen. I hope this conversation inspired some new thoughts or questions within you. Until next time, peace, my friends.